Welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Yes, today we're going to have a really interesting show. I'm going to be starting by speaking with you about the Pachamama Alliance, uh, with which A Better World has uh, aligned in order to accomplish a very important symposium, that is to offer it and accomplish, meaning help to educate the attendees, the participants, with a heart-based kind of knowledge, knowing, education about the state of the world, what our hand has been in it, how we got here, and from here, this rather sobering place where we're going through, again, our collective efforts, individual and collective, we can make a difference on this planet, in each other's lives, in a spiritually meaningful way. That's the game for the first part of today's show. And the second part will be followed with a conversation with author Courtney Amundsen, Teachings from God, Creating Your Soul and Revealing the Divine. Courtney Courtney is a young woman who began her path as a seeker at a young age, progressing to the point that these teachings began to flow through her effortlessly and with complete love and joy, starting at the tender age of 16. I'll get to more about Courtney and the book, which we'll be spending, as I said, the second half of today's show on. Uh, She's a lovely woman, and it's so beautiful that someone of her age has been able to get grounded in these very high-level teachings that came to her initially through her Qigong practice, which for me is, you know... The music of my soul. So I was very happy to come across her and her work. And I'm very uh, blessed and glad to share them with you. First, let me come back to uh, the Pachamama Alliance and this coming weekend's uh, Saturday's uh, activity, which I cordially invite you all to. It's a free event, and it has a huge amount of of punch in it. It's, uh, how do I say? It takes a good look at where we are as a species and how we got here, what we're doing, and where we're going. Those are the three basic questions that govern the narrative of the afternoon. It's called Awakening the Dreamer Symposium, Changing the Dream. Now, where did that name come from? It happens to be a pretty interesting story. The Achawar Indians in the Amazon rainforest in Ecuador, Ecuadorian Amazon, are a dream culture. Their boundary between what we call the waking state and the dream and sleep state is different than ours. Uh, Their way of understanding and relating to their lives and to their time is different than ours, which wouldn't be a big surprise. And as a result, 
what they dream, they believe, has real 3D merit, if you will. And, you know, of course, we have that in our culture, too. There's a very interesting, sometimes symbolic, sometimes literal relationship between what we dream and our outside life. Hence, you know, our inner lives related to our outer manifestation. Well, in this case, the Achuar Indians, going back to maybe the 80s or so, began having dreams of something related to what might be the harm, certainly, and maybe even the destruction of their culture. And they didn't really have a handle on the nature of that destruction or harm or who was uh, perpetuating it. But slowly, slowly, they got a handle on what it was. And it showed up in the form of oil companies, U.S. oil companies, encroaching on their precious rainforest land and drilling and polluting, contaminating water and the like. And they sent out an appeal psychically, energetically, to their northern brothers for help. Not help in some ordinary way of uh, we need your resources and your money and uh, things of that nature. No, 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 not at all. The help they wanted was an ear to listen to what they understand as the issue at hand, which is the way they would put it, the dream of your people up north, you are our brothers. The dream of your people is destroying the dream of ours. There's a way that is of dreaming where everyone is in cooperation and coordination, in harmony, if you will. And that kind of dreaming, that kind of living is beautiful and everyone should be there and living accordingly. But when one person's dream began, or cultures, begins to seriously adversely jeopardize another's to the point of literally uh, destroying it, there's a serious, serious problem in River City, my friends, as we say. So that appeal psychically was made, and interestingly, it seemed that it was getting picked up on by the antennae of a Lynn Twist, who uh, runs something called the Soul of Money Institute, who has been on A Better World uh, back in 2008 when her book, The Soul of Money, came out. And that book was largely born out of her global fundraising activity on behalf of the Hunger Project, which itself was begotten from the work of Werner Erhard in what he called his group dynamic work, EST, E-S-T, which was all the rage in the early 70s through the 80s when it morphed and matured into what was then known as the Forum and is now also known as the Forum, but it's now called the Landmark Forum based on some business um, acquisitions that occurred of the original foundation. So 
Uh, Lynn was deeply involved in that work, in the EST work, and coming out of that was uh, the Hunger Project, which had as its mission to end world hunger by the year 2000. A laudable, audacious, unnerving, brilliant, visionary point of view. And uh, they set out through that declaration of mission, of purpose, to accomplish that, I think it's fantastic. Well, you know, we all know that they did not achieve that goal, but boy, did they achieve a lot in the direction of the fulfillment of that goal. A brilliant amount, in fact. A world-changing and life-affecting kind of change has occurred throughout the planet based on those individual and collective efforts going starting, as I said, back in the, I'd say, early to mid-1970s, mid-70s. So Lynn, who is well-known in those circles, uh, was the one who was picking up the frequencies, the radio waves, if you will, of the Achuar Indians, and she discovered that, not that she knew anything about the Achuar or really much about indigenous um, culture but because her colleague and friend, John Perkins, who did know a good amount about life in the Amazon, um, identified through the descriptions of her dreams that it appeared that the people that were reaching out to her were the Achuar, A-C-H-U-A-R. So she and her husband, Bill, who's also been on these airwaves, and John, who hasn't yet been, uh, embarked upon a journey down to uh, Quito and then down to the Amazon and met with the elders there. And indeed, they were being called, and they did respond. So interesting when we become that sensitized and can tune in that way. And that's what happened. And they heard the story of the oil companies encroaching seriously on their land, and they set out to form what is now known as the Pachamama Alliance. That was in somewhere between 1994 and 1995. And with the mission of waking people up in such a way that they would be able to respond to these um, very serious kinds of issues that are facing our planet, not just the Achuar Indians, that was, you could say, an indicator, a symptom, if you will, of a much larger problem. It was the micro-picturing of a macro-issue. So the Pachamama Alliance was formed. They had an office in Ecuador in Quito, and then another in San Francisco. They are now in about 85 countries. Their work, the symposium, has been translated into some 16 or so languages. And it has this phrase as its purpose and mission. Quote, bringing forth an environmentally sustainable, spiritually fulfilling, socially just, human presence on this planet. And when I heard that, that just 
speaks directly to my heart and all that a better world or a lot of what a better world stands for itself. So when I was invited to a uh, a luncheon at Central Park's Boathouse back in, I guess it was uh, December of 2013 by my good friend Sam Daly Harris, who has also been on these airwaves talking about his book, Reclaiming Our Democracy, and his brilliant work with Dr. Mohammed Yunus, Nobel Prize winner, for his work with Grameen Bank and microcredit, uh, invited me, and boy, did he hit the nail on the head because I just uh, felt that this was a real uh, brotherly and sisterly organization so related to my own purpose and my own vision here on this planet through a better world. So I had the uh, wonderful opportunity to meet Lynn Twist and Bill Twist then at that first symposium, and I invited uh, them both onto the radio show. I mean, Lynn I had met by uh, radio, you know, years before for her book, but this was the first time in the Pachamama context that I became connected. I then followed that uh, with the attending a, a symposium that was on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and I brought a dear friend of mine. Uh, Walter Baer from Brazil, whose job it is, it happens, to oversee, oh, I mean, a million or so acres of land in the Amazon rainforest from his perch. <laughs> That's his job. In order to be the environmentalist that he is in his heart and soul, he got himself a job with the Brazilian government so he could be overseeing and caretaking for this vast tract of virgin rainforest. And uh, Walter and I met through Yasuhiko, uh, who is uh, one of our teachers, Yasuhiko Kimura, who has also been on these very A Better World airwaves. As you see, things become an integrated whole here at A Better World as we have uh, we are a hub with spokes coming out from us in many related directions. I would say they're all related, really. And uh, Walter moved to the United States, to New York, to uh, study um, uh, the uh, whole area of cap and trade, of dealing with um, fossil fuel taxation in different forms at Columbia University. So at that time, I invited Walter to join me at the Pachamama Alliance Symposium. And there, even though we're both rather versed in the seriousness of the issue of climate change and environmental destruction across the planet, as well as very serious social issues, we were both deeply moved by the particular presentation that the Pachamama Alliance made through their Awakening the Dreamer uh, seminar. And uh, we both were smitten by it and uh, wanted to donate and do what we could to further our and deepen our relationship to this organization that is doing so much to awaken humanity to the true issues at hand without which awakening, by the way, could lead to our species 
demise. Those of you who listen to me on A Better World with any regularity know that this is so much subject at hand of how to reverse the trends, the habitual, neurotic, in fact, pathological trends of business and government and institutions across the world, Western and non-Western, that are seriously polluting and putting profit before people and planet. And that is a no-win scenario. So we embrace the idea of people and planet prior to profit. And we accept and love profit. No problem. Profit, no problem. However, at what price? At what cost? That is what poses a pivotal problem. And so many Ps in these senses. But indeed, this is what we're looking at. And this is why A Better World is co-sponsoring the Pachamama Alliance Symposium taking place in Brooklyn at 899 Bergen Street this Saturday, April 30th, from 1 to 5 in the afternoon. I'll be co-facilitating with my dear friends Polly Howells and Eric Worthman, both just lovely people who have been part of Pachamama Alliance for many, many years, are wonderfully seasoned uh, co-facilitators and have been activists of this sort, political, social, and the like, for many years, as well as me, deeply involved in the field of psychology and psychotherapy. So it's been a wonderful matching of us in this context. And I want to invite you all who are listening to this show, if you are anywhere near the tri-state area of New York City, uh, go to betterworld.tv and... uh, right under the carousel, right smack in the center, you will see an Achuar Indian with his painted face and click through and there you can register to join us uh, Saturday afternoon. As said, this is a free event. Uh, We ask for a donation if you are inclined to give one of some $10 or whatever amount one would want, more or less or not at all. That's a purely elective matter. Our goal is to educate people of like mind and big heart who understand the dire necessity. We're all involved in our lives. God knows. We are super busy. That is a of our current society, and we've all been bitten by that pathology. I mean, let's be honest. We are over busy. It's as though we are in overdrive. It's not that everyone doesn't recognize that in those that are committed to world change, and then even people who are just committed to their own um, welfare and wealth and well-being. And so it's a super drive kind of scene, you know, especially in a place like New York City. So I appreciate the way we operate, okay? I have some problems with it, both uh, in my own life and in those that are close to me, uh, because it makes just visiting among friends a bit of a challenge. Oh, I'm so busy. I've got this. I've got that. I've got this. I've got that. You know the story. So it is a challenge, no question. 
However, when the heart is moved by something important, when the heart is enlivened and awakened and activated about something that the soul is whispering to it about, like our own, shall I say, survival, our own true well-being and the sustenance of our species, you betcha, we better wake up and pay close attention. Because really, this is what is at stake. There's so much beautiful about our incredible planet, about our corner of the universe, doggone it, that's for sure. It is our goal, and I believe it is our charge, our dharma, to care for our planet. Think about it. Think about your home and where you live. You want to keep it clean. You want to keep it organized. You want to keep it running, operating in a way that's life-sustaining and that's comfortable and enjoyable. I mean, right? And beautiful. These are the qualities that we would bring to our own home. Well, what about simply picturing Earth as the larger version of our own home? Because it is. It's where we live. If we didn't come here originally because we're actually stardust and we have astronomers that say so and can prove that reality, great. But this is where we were born and this is what it is up to us to care for. So at the Pachamama Alliance, there's actually what's called the pathway of an, an engagement pathway called It's Up to Us. And this symposium is the first step. Then there's the Game Changer Intensive, which takes place online. In fact, even the symposium can be done online. But there ain't nothing like all gathering together under one roof, looking directly at each other, in each other's eyes, feeling each other's presence and hearts when viewing video footage like we're going to be showing you, that's very impactful. So we will all go through the same emotional experience, our hearts being stirred at the pain and suffering of our brothers and sisters in the human world as well as in the non-human world. What we've done to elephants and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, we really need to sit up and take stock and pay close attention to this because this is our earth. These are our brothers and sisters in other forms. This is the non-human world, and we are caretakers of them as well as our own species. We're all here together. In reality, we're all one. Different aspects of the same ultimate vibration. So with that said, I want to just remind you all that uh, coming on Saturday is a really wonderful step in that direction of taking responsibility, being accountable for the awareness that we will all be having together. And we can help to make each other accountable for our lives and for our actions, that is, really, in this world after we all get this dose of education, if you will, together. There's a power in the collective that is um, unstoppable. Ask Bernie Sanders. 
Astral Stein. We see the young people from all over the country rising up together, tired of the status quo, wanting something new, wanting something novel and fresh that is grounded in humanity, not in dollars and cents on a spreadsheet. The day for that is past. Oh, there will still be spreadsheets, and there will still be money and profit. I don't mean that. That's fine. But everything has to be proportionalized, balanced, moderated in these kinds of ways. And uh, these particular folks get that and want to help govern from that space. It's a very different paradigm than the one we have that's been governing us for a long time, literally, I would say, thousands of years. And so, too, when we see what we see together in the symposium that's coming up this coming Saturday, we together experience and our hearts vibe at the same level. We resonate. We look at each other and go, oy, oy, oy. <laughs> did we really do this? How did we get ourselves in so deep? What did we do? All right. Okay. No worry. Enough. Got the picture. Now what are we going to do? What kind of concerted actions can we take locally, globally, universally on the inner levels of prayer, of envisioning, of working with intent? working with visualization, working with imaging, and on the outer level, real steps. That means sometimes contacting Congress. That means developing social enterprise-style businesses that put heart first, people and planet first. And yeah, profit, it's a business, but in service to people and planet, whole different paradigm. Not far but it's an essential pivot into a new paradigm. And that is what we'll be talking about. Really, it's an education using video. I'll be speaking. My co-facilitators will be speaking for the afternoon. We'll engage interactive exercises. We'll experience, that's the focus, experiencing the pain and the suffering, honestly, the sobriety of the situation. And then we turn a corner, folks. Then we turn the corner into action. And what can we do to remedy, heal the situation? And through this crisis, which of course in the Chinese character for crisis is the word opportunity. It becomes an opportunity for us to give birth, if you will, to a whole new way of being on the planet and of, with each other. Another level of love, another level of compassion, another level of patience, another level, honestly, of fun and joy. And sometimes you have to hit what they call in the uh, 12-step programs as bottom before you can see the light and start rising more clearly to the top. So that's the game. Again, let me say that uh, you can join us. It's for free. It's at 899 Bergen Street, right next to the Franklin Street Station in the Big Apple, actually in Brooklyn. Uh, really easy to get to from Manhattan. 
course, that's my point of focus. Uh, and even from we have people coming in from New Jersey and Staten Island and Connecticut, and uh, it's really just not that far away. And it'll be an amazing day. So I really wish you'll come. Go to abetterworld.tv, triple dot, abetterworld.tv, and right smack in the middle, down uh, a line or two, you will see above the fold, you'll see where it says Pachamama Alliance Symposium, April 30th. And just click through and register and pass the link on to your friends and family. So, uh, just thank you so much. I want to close that piece with, again, quoting this utterly beautiful uh, mission statement of, of the Pachamama Alliance, which is to bring forth an environmentally sustainable, spiritually fulfilling, socially just human presence on this planet. Now, one of the things that really gets clear is the interconnectedness of all of these items. They may appear that there's this issue of racism and of sexism and of genderism and of, you know, economic injustice and environmental justice. And, yeah, there are all of these issues. However, truly, they all come from one issue, which is a lack of clarity, I would say, and a sense of separation that we have a feeling of separation instead of unification, instead of unity. And from that, we, some people perpetuate harm. It's projected outward. And when we start to experience our unified field, our unified nature, all beings together, all life forms together, uh, do no harm becomes really easy different game. So I hope you join and uh, look forward to meeting you. Let me know if you've come from the radio program and it will be such a pleasure. In a moment, first a little Mozart and we'll come back with our guest for today, Courtney Amundsen, who is the author of Teachings from God, Greeting Your Soul and Revealing the Divine Within. Stick with us. again today. This is Mitchell J. Rabin, your host. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. here on A Better World on Blog Talk Radio. And we're also on A Better World TV here in Manhattan every Monday evening at 7 p.m. And if you don't yet get our newsletter, please go to www.abetterworld.tv and we have a free newsletter for you. Uh, Just sign up. And it will be sent. You'll know who I'll be speaking with on each of the respective shows. And sometimes there's a blog and events to tell you about. For instance, uh, this Monday evening, uh, May 2nd, I'll be having the A Better World and Heaven on Earth Salon downtown Manhattan 
which we have every other week, every other Monday usually, at 6 to 8 p.m. And we do some Qigong and we do some communication exercises and some role playing and we deal with challenging conversations. We help people get clear and learn to communicate with love, affection, respect, and help to change people's lives around. So with that said, I want to introduce you to tonight's guest, Courtney Amundsen. As I was telling you before, began her path as a seeker at a very young age, really nine years old, when she started to wake up and become aware of energy in a way that most nine-year-olds really are not. And by the age of 16, she had already been manifesting signs of uh, a wise woman, even though she's at that tender age, and she's still at the tender age of 20. And she has uh, come to understand some of the deeper metaphysical and esoteric teachings of our planet, which we'll be getting to with her in a moment. She is the author of a book. Yes, by age 20, she is the author of a book called Teachings from God, Greeting Your Soul and Revealing the Divine Within. So, Courtney, welcome to A Better World. A pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Mitchell, for having me. I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to have a awesome conversation. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. Well, I'm so glad you're here too, and it's really such a delight because I don't get a chance to speak to many 20-year-olds, really. And it's uh, uh, on these airwaves, you know, sometimes in my daily life, yes, but not here because most people have not written books by age 20 or have even set out on a professional path the way you have. And so I'm delighted. I really am. I, it's very touching, and it's very beautiful. Tell us, just first give us a little quick history, Courtney, of um, how you came to where you are now. You began studying Qigong. Is that so, when you were nine mm-hmm. or so years old? Yeah, I Tell was us. introduced to Qigong when I was nine years old. And Was that Spring Forest I Qigong really in particular? That... What? Was that Spring Forest Qigong in particular? Yes, yep, yep. Okay. Spring, for- Spring Force Qigong. Beautiful. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I think that was a moment, a really big moment for me, and I didn't know it at that time, but looking back at it, I can see that that was a big awakening point for me where I saw, I saw magic happening before my eyes. I was in there... Um, it was a family healing appointment, and so my sister and I, we were pretty young. I was nine, and she was five, and we were all really, really sick, and in one of those transitional moments in life where you just you just need something, a little a little something, and um, so we and met And your, your parents were sick, too? Are you talking about physically mm-hmm. or emotionally? or Physically. Physically, we were all sick. My dad, um, he had really bad pneumonia. And um, we went into this appointment, and my mom said, if he's not better after we leave here, we're going to go to the emergency room. And um, Whose idea so was it to try Qigong? Whose idea was it to try Qigong? I mean, that's um, really... My mom, uh, I, I my mom yeah. she, 
learned about it from a friend of hers. And yes. so we met this um, Chinese man named Chu Ni Lin, and we had a family appointment, and I remember going in there, and at the time he had an assistant who would come in before and um, do an evaluation. And so I met this other man named Jim Nance, and he taught my sister and I this finger-growing trick. And it was basically using your mind and um, making your fingers grow, and it worked. And mm-hmm. my sister and I were just, I mean, we were <laughs> we were so um, delighted at that trick. It was, was this, so Was this happen in the waiting room while you we were waiting for the appointments, or what? Yeah, basically, and <laughs> and um, so then we went in and we and we saw Master Lin, and he was very very quiet, and he kind of just did his thing, but um, he had us focus on our lower dantian, and um, that's the point behind your belly button, and mm-hmm. he said just picture a golden sun there or a, or a rainbow there, and so we all sat there just doing that and. He walked around us and he, you know, made motions with his hands in the air, and we didn't know what was going on. But I, I just closed my eyes and I tried to stay quiet. And pretty soon, I, I really started feeling something. And, and more than anything else, I, I, I saw that there was something special going on that I hadn't seen um, anybody else doing. You know, I'd only been to a traditional. Mm-hmm. Western doctor, and this was different, yeah. and this was cool. And I thought <laughs> at that moment, I thought, hmm, I I want to do this again. It was unconscious mm-hmm. at the time, but now thinking back yeah. to it, it was a big awakening point for me where I really um, it propelled me into later in my life. And I think twelve years old is when I started to really practice qigong, and. Um, I would practice with my mom, and I would go to conferences. And the Qigong studying um, was really what awakened me spiritually and got me thinking about what's outside of my life, what's outside of my perception of my life. And um, it wasn't at the forefront. But first, don't don't leave us hanging about what happened with your whole family, your father and your whole family. Oh, right. uh, Well, we left and. (laughs) He was yeah. um he, he was feeling better so we didn't go. We didn't oh. go. His coughing went down so much and um we were like so I said section, we were in a the session was period. successful. I'm sorry? What? The session was successful. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was very successful and um we we did return for other guidance and um I, you know, I'm still studying with him to this day. So it's, you know, I, I know him really well now. And yes. just it's been such a deepening experience, even at where I'm at today, which it seems like crazy to think back to those days when I was kind of, you know, trying to find my way. And, um, sure. and uh, so I, I gained a lot of clarity and a lot of spiritual deepening through Qigong and then I kind of found my own way, and I started to kind of listen more to all the stuff that my mom was talking about with her friends, and I started to kind of
kind of participate <laughs> in more of those uh-huh. conversations than with other people my age. And well, what um, were those conversations like? Your mom, your mother is obviously a pretty hip woman who brought yeah. your family to Qigong when others were going for antibiotics. You know, right? So she's yeah, got, well, she's you listen to Abraham moving Hicks. to a different drummer herself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. She's always been like on the leading edge too. Um, yeah. But we we listened to Abraham Hicks, and yes, I see. we watched Conversations okay. with God, and we watched The Secret, yeah. and we watched The Black Hole, and we watched What the Bleep Do We Know? And okay. I watched all of I those got the things. Picture. You know, right? Twelve, thirteen. As a very young person. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so you were getting was, fertilized in a very good way. Very yeah, early on. That's definitely. Beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. I, it was a lot to absorb in the beginning. And, you know, I didn't quite get it at first, but I, I thought it was a cool, like, game to play. I'm referencing yes. it now. <laughs> Just, I We started to, I you know, it. figure out how to manifest things. And so I used mm-hmm. that then at that age to really excel at music. And that was my life for a really long time, music classical music, and I I used the law of attraction to get into the orchestras I wanted. I used it to play better, and and um, yes. and I found that my, I guess, my sensitivity and awareness um, deepened as I found new vessels to express myself. So it was art, music, um, qigong, you know, healing healing other people, and and uh, so then when I was 16 years old, it was March 12, 2012, when I had this kind of awakening point where everything just sunk in, everything just clicked, uh, you know, on this day, and and I think all of that priming, you know, all of those years of priming, just yes. just just it paid off on that day, and I had an experience where I started to have these conversations with uh I didn't quite know I it was a higher being an angel a, um the universe I I was you know mm-hmm. I was figuring it out in the beginning but really what was what I felt was an unconditional love that poured throughout my body I was I was meditating at the time so it wasn't just a random occurrence I was mm-hmm. sitting down I was meditating and I started to And you feel were at what age at that point? 16. 16. Yep. It was March 12, 2012. So it was about four about 4 years ago now. Yes. And um yeah, I was sitting on the couch and I I turned on some soft music and um did what I normally did and but I felt something different happen. I felt this like um presence come over me this really just you can't ignore kind of presence it was like a mm-hmm. it was a blissful like chills all over my body lightness I felt like light as a feather all of a sudden I felt like I could levitate off the couch mm-hmm. and this incredible bliss incredible fulfillment incredible wisdom just pouring over me and I and I felt this light just enter my body and it took over my entire body and I I felt just at complete peace and I 
I was like, oh, my gosh, I know what's happening. This is what happened to Esther Hicks, and I know, I know what this is. Because I was having the same exact, same exact experience as her, and my, my head started to move a little bit, not in a, you know, creepy, like, uh, I was possessed sort of way, but it was a mm-hmm. very natural, like, experience, and I and I felt the light move into my fingertips, and I could feel like this, light shooting out my fingertips and and I just knew intuitively that I should go to the computer and see if there was some kind of words that wanted to come out because mm-hmm. I knew it had to be expressed so that's what I did I went over to the computer and I opened up a word document put my hands on the keys and I let go I closed my eyes and very deliberately my fingers started to press down on the keys and it was it was quite forceful it was quite there was a lot of energy pouring through my hands and in my entire body just contained and wanted to come out and so i was patient and i Are sat you there suggesting for a that it didn't feel like it didn't feel like you were doing it but it was being done through you right yeah mm-hmm. i felt that okay. it was a higher source a higher power in some way now i know that to be part of me now i know it to be um another another facet of me a higher part of me Mm -hmm. um because i now know that we're all connected to the state of oneness but at the time i was in a different place and surely i saw it as an angel because i grew up you know having a guardian angel that my mom called hannah so Mm-hmm. I I intuitively, I, I just, I called this presence Hannah, and I had these really, I you know, I, when I started this journey, I had really some intimate conversations every single day. It's just like I was in this place of perfect harmony where anything that, you know, got me a little bit uncomfortable or any question that I had or um, any worrisome thought, I would... I would go and talk about this with this presence I called Hannah, with this angel I called Hannah, and mm-hmm. I built this really intimate connection, and I would go into these really deep meditations when I would sit down on my computer and and channel these words, and it brought me a lot of healing, a lot of clarity, and um, most of all, just I learned the power and the extensiveness of our, of you know the pla- this um, amazing place we live in. I mean, beyond the earth, this entire universe. It's incredible, and um, so I really studied. I I was very very motivated to learn, and mm-hmm. I've never been one that's really. Um, I've never really liked school very much. Let's put it that way. I've gotten good grades, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I did really well in school, but I didn't enjoy learning things that I wasn't passionate about. And this, I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. So it was what like. What would you say? Could ask, sorry. What were you saying ahead. that you were learning? What? How would you mm-hmm. describe? the difference in the lessons and the material that you were learning when you and Hana would connect? Well, I, at first I started learning about myself, about my own soul's journey, and I traveled many amazing places. 
and I saw other lifetimes of mine, and I got quite caught up in them. And I later learned that, you know, it's important to ground down into this moment and and to um, be here and now. But at that point in time, in the very, very beginning, I would say the first um, month or so, I was traveling to amazing places and accessing a lot of wisdom from other lifetimes and and um, other existences. And I um, so do you feel I, that I you were recognizing. Do you feel that you were recognizing yourself on the deeper mm-hmm. level in what you would refer to as past lives? Definitely. Yes, I found out that they're all happening at at this now moment, that there's really no past or future, that it's all happening at this moment. So I was guided into really learning how to utilize my tools so that the wisdom of those times I could have now. And that was really, really cool for me. I learned about some of the deepest... um, laws of the universe. We all really know about the law of attraction, but, you know, that's a very foundational one, but there are so many more. And I learned a lot about that, not to mention just when you experience that kind of beauty and unity consciousness. Mm -hmm. It's so real. It's like what I would imagine the... You know how we all try to, you know, figure out what the afterlife is like and I've had experiences mm-hmm. where I can I, I feel like I'm in heaven. I feel like it's that mm-hmm. um, you know picturesque type of experience that we all you know kind of dream of and and dream it's like. Sure. And and what I sure. realized is that that is here. That is accessible to us here. And right now. Yes, right now and. That gave me a lot of inspiration to build that connection between the physical and the non-physical, to build a connection between this human self and our divine self. And that's what Mm -hmm. my book is all about. It's about building that relationship to our divine. So on one hand, you were perceiving this phenomenon that we call past lives as a linear type of story, right? Within that first month or two, you were experiencing that. And then Mm -hmm. later, you came to a place of sort of, I don't want to say disavowing, but rather um, enhancing your understanding that mm-hmm. while there may be, I, I mean, I like to put it this way, while there is a linearity in our experience of time, you know, clock time, so to speak, minute to minute, hour to hour, there is, as you said, a simultaneity, and all lives are occurring simultaneously. So how do you understand those two very different contrasting perspectives? Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, you know, yeah. I it, on the one hand, I it, it was very very confusing at at some points because 
Yes. Um, I was disoriented because I was experiencing these things as real time. I was experiencing them almost as my dominant reality in some cases. And that was weird Mm -hmm. because the dominant reality that we're all perceiving is this one, is this physical experience on the earth plane. Yes. Um, That's what we're putting our focus on. But there are so many other existences that we're co-creating at this time. And when I when I had um, the desire to go there to um, put my attention on something different, that's what happened. And I yes. I learned, and it was it was for a purpose. But then I was guided um, to really just focus more on grounding myself right here, right now, in in my physical body, on this earth mm-hmm. plane. And to learn in that way. And so I've always been guided to deepen in the way that was best for me at that moment. And I've always had the motivation and the allowance to let um, the universe guide me in that way. I just, I have intention. But, um, yes. So it all serves a purpose. Um, like I said in the beginning, I learned a lot about myself. But as I deepened, it became universal, and that's that's what you see in my book is um, not the personal experiences, but um, the universal. The universal. Stuff. The, yeah. um, what you'll find in my book is that it's almost like your higher self. Well, it is exactly like your higher self um, speaking with you personally because this book is alive. It is not my story. It is our story. It is your story. Mm-hmm. People don't understand that necessarily um, yes. because all of the other, cha- you know, quote-unquote channeled books out there right now are written from, from the point of view that um, there is someone that is able to, has the special gift to channel another being. Um, mm-hmm. And this is much broader than that. And uh, not not to compare or to judge too much, but I've noticed this difference, this slight difference in um, how my book is um, impacting others in the way that it it brings you more into unity with your highest self. It beckons you mm-hmm. to not make yourself small, to not see yourself yeah. separate from our creator, our creative source. And yeah. as much as all of those other materials are great. I feel that so many of us, we have such a difficult time, as humans really, we have such a difficult time with um, co-creating with God, with the universe, with our divine. Mm-hmm. And so I see this gift to be a gift that everyone has and just hasn't awakened to yet. Yes. In other words, what I hear you saying, Courtney, is that um, there isn't an exclusivity to it, that someone has a certain gift to uh, channel some being uh, and someone else does not. But rather, you're suggesting, it sounds like to me, that everyone has access and the other being that that we're talking about is actually not other at all, but just like you discovered that that Hana 
or that angel or archangel that you thought as separate from you at first, your understanding matured, and you realize that that thing that was considered other is actually an aspect of yourself. Exactly. That's what I found out, and that was what was groundbreaking about it, too, because my belief was what created my experience. And I, in the beginning, I thought this to be a singular angel. That's what I knew. But as I matured, as you said, I realized it's so much broader, and I got comfortable with feeling that I don't have to make this singular. I don't have to make this small. I can experience the broadness and grandness of source energy, not feel more separated from it, not feel um, small, not feel like it's an impersonal um, uh, kind of relationship. Yeah. And not only that, but, you know, I'm reading between the lines here, uh, which is to say that nor would you let yourself feel separate from it, but let yourself feel infused, you could say, from the higher to the lower. It's sort of like, you know, if I could use the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Water pours from above, you know, and it goes down, and it's like you're the vessel for the pouring. But that water that's pouring is is owned, if you will, by everybody. It's this, you know, it's the objective channel through our subjective vessels and exactly. everyone right gets some of that because we are that we're just occupying a different aspect of space and time you know in frequency frequently a different contract contracted frequency that we call right. our physical material body yeah and that's why i i really encourage people when they read my book is don't think of this as my book. Don't think of this as um, that I'm the author of this book because the way that I received it and the way that I experience it is really, you know, it, it was me talking with my divine, but I see it as a book that carries a different energy for everyone that picks it up. Yes. And so... Yes. The power is there when you show up, if that yes. makes sense. When you show up, then Very you understand so. that it's it's not about me. It's not about me having this special gift and it's just for information. It's about you being able to do this yourself. It's about, it's you about all of us, yes. yes. Yes, exactly. In other words, this thing that we call me is actually not me. It's us. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a me, it's a we, right? Right, right. It's so and that's, important. of course, the new paradigm we're moving into. I love pointing out, Courtney, that if you take the M of me and you turn it around opposite, you get we. Mm-hmm. It sounds so silly, <laughs> but... It's very interesting. You know, it's very interesting that me becomes we by flipping around the letter, which is flipping around an aspect of your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it has to be 180 degree flipping to go from me to we. And when we're in the we consciousness, if you will, then that's what your book is really talking to, that we're all in this together. Exactly. And it's time to empower ourselves place yeah we're all made of the same and 
from the same stuff. I'd love to uh, go back to a point you made, uh, which was interesting to me to hear about. You said that we all know about the law of attraction and that it's foundational. And yes, I think that's true. And then you said, but you've learned about a lot more ways of the universe. You could say laws and principles of the universe since then. You know, like building from nursery school to kindergarten and beyond. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. what are some of those other laws or principles that uh, impressed you in your learning with and beyond? Oh, yeah. Man, there's so many. Um, and a lot of them, so there is the law of attraction, law of creating, um, and, and that does have a a name that we use, but I think a lot of them in there, um, they're not named. Um, They don't have, like, titles like that one does. Um, I think one subject that was really impressive to me was about um, the workings of the Akashic system, and maybe some of you know what that is and maybe some of you don't. Sure. Basically, um, the Akash or the Akashic Records, as we know it, is sort of like a library or a big storehouse of information that is held within our physical bodies. And Mm -hmm. it holds information of your entire existence. So not just this lifetime, but all of your existences, because we're eternal beings. So... Imagine, just imagine that you have it's a long time. all of that information. It's a, it's a big record. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible, and it's hard to it's hard to understand from the mind. But um, what I've what I've learned from a lot of these teachings is to be able to access a lot of the wisdom um, that is unconscious to us from our physical bodies, and I I talk about this quite frequently. But I, you know, I've always been kind of like a shy person. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was younger, I was really, really shy. And I had a difficult time, like, doing school projects and anything that required, like, public speaking or anything like that. I was Mm -hmm. really nervous about that. And when I started this work, I realized, that there would be a day where I would have to do that, and probably quite soon. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I went. After all, here you end. are on radio. <laughs> I know, and I'm York totally City. comfortable. So I'll tell you why yes. I'm comfortable. Uh-huh. I I use my tools to access the part of me that is totally practiced at this, that yes. can put your words together in perfect. Um, ways that um, can get on the radio like this and have no idea what I'm going to say but be totally comfortable. I never, never, never thought I would be able to do that. Um, And yet it's possible to access these talents, this wisdom, when we open up to our higher self, a higher self that has all of those tools that have been stored within our bodies for you know, trillions, I don't even know, we're eternal, so why even count the years? Um, But it's, 
you know, it's just mind-blowing, and we don't even know what we don't know. We don't know the capacity that we have. So that blew my mind. And Yes. So I'm yes. still working with that. I'm still learning new ways to integrate sure. you know, the, sure. the kind of information that is available to us. But I think that was one observation that yes. kind of struck me because my family commented on it on the first time that I held a public group meeting and I'm sitting there and there's 40 people in front of me and they were like, wow, like you're really comfortable up there. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So yeah. that uh-huh. that struck me. Yes, I understand. So uh, you said that uh, the what's in our bodies is essentially this vast reservoir of information, specifically we refer to, and that's true in general, uh, all sorts of information, among which is what we call the Akashic Records. So one can't really get there through the mind, through the analytical mind for sure. But it is in the actual physical body, like just like there's a library where you put physical books. So we have places, you know, within our sinews and in and among our organs and our bones that are storehouses of not just information, uh, but specifically about the entirety of our existence. On exactly. all levels, that means in exactly. all dimensions. and how we connect to all of that. It's crazy. It's really yes. crazy. And, I, and I've learned this even more through Qigong. It's, it's funny because I always, I always felt like, okay, this work is separate from Qigong, and Qigong is separate from this. And, and then uh-huh. as I've gotten deeper level to deeper levels of Qigong, I, I really see that it's all connected, that I'm still getting yes. the same information on both sides. So yes. through the body and through the higher self and and then grounded all the way back down to earth and and being able to explore the emotional aspect of our you know of our existence and um healing our physical planet it's it's an extensive you know, lifelong kind of research that I feel like I'm doing now, I signed up for. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. No, that's beautiful. I really appreciate your sharing, Courtney. Uh, Let's take it another step, if you would. Uh, And that is, on one hand, we're talking about the bliss and joy and lightness of being that occurred when you were 16 and since, of course, uh, through your feeling infused by the presence you referred to back then as Hana, okay? So on one hand, we have this spiritual connectedness and interconnectedness that is so exquisite, it goes beyond the ordinary ken of human experience, It's within the domain of human experience, except it's sort of like, you know, the old metaphor that, you know, someone owns a mansion, but they're sort of in the basement, 
and they don't even know what else <laughs> yeah. is in the mansion, you know, and they keep kicking around the basement. They say, this ain't bad. This is pretty good, you know. And they're right. <laughs> it is pretty good. It's the basement. It's fine. <laughs> however, however, you know, there's a whole lot more going on unbeknownst, right. you know, to them. So with that kind of metaphor, there's so much more. But there's also much more. So that's the inner life, so to speak, that sense of bliss and connectedness that you were describing that occurred to you internally through meditation and Qigong. Well, there's also a whole lot more outwardly, too, in the preciousness of our planet, of a tree, of a leaf, of a plant, of a flower, of an animal. I mean, you know, each one is its own little walking, breathing miracle. You know, when you get to that perspective of awe and humility in the face of the magnificence of creation, everything becomes alive on the inner planes and the outer, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. Definitely. You you see the glory of God, you know, in everything, (laughs) every little crystal, you know, uh, you know, little uh puddle and every little uh, right, I know. amount sometimes of moisture feel... on a leaf right so yeah sometimes now... it feels like it, you get really <laughs> like i've caught myself in like these hallmark moments you know where <laughs> yeah. you're sitting there like you know looking at the nature and you just get so like caught up in yeah. it and caught up and yeah. um yeah, it's humorous, but it's also like, wow, like this is real. This is real life. Yes. And yes. we're part of this and, you know, I sometimes I just get those moments where it just like Absolutely. it hits me and other times it seems like we're in a dream where we don't see it. We don't take a moment to That's right. to acknowledge it. We're in a trance. Maybe we're in a trance, a program yeah. habituated trance. So what I want to ask you, there's a question underneath this this uh, painting and picturing I'm doing. And that is, when you get in touch with that deep vibration and resonance with all life, whether it's your inner experience of the inner planes or the outer experience of nature and her miraculous magnificence, then you see what human beings have done some some of our cultural expressions are incredible in music, for instance, and dance and storytelling and uh, so many in technology, so many amazing, brilliant breakthroughs we've had over the course of time. When we see the, the dark side, so to speak, of the operating out of our lower, lower selves, we're enjoying talking about our higher selves, but on the lower, lower side, we have war, and we have hostility, and we have racism, and we have so much injustice, so much at this point environmental destruction. You maybe heard some of what I was saying at the beginning of the show, that mm-hmm. you, you become heartsick at, you know, you see the potential, you see the oneness, you see and feel the magnificence, and then you see this destruction and you feel like, you know, slapping humanity in the face and say, wake up, mm-hmm. babe. What are you doing? You're literally jeopardizing the magnificence of your creation. So how mm-hmm. do you take, Courtney, your learning 
And that's so much of what we deal with today in our 3D world. How do you take yeah. your cultivated wisdom and knowing that you have and apply it to this real world situation? Illusory as it is in its Well, you know, when I was 16, when this began for me, I deepened so much and so fast that yes. I kind of, I thought I got it all figured out. I really did because I was just yes. experiencing this incredible light, incredible bliss. And I had no worries, no cares in the world because I was seeing only from the higher perspective yes. constantly. And yes. not that that is a bad thing at all. Of course, it's a really good no. thing. But yes. it, show, it showed me that where I place my intention, where I place my attention is what I see, and it's it can be very, very difficult. I'm learning this myself right now. I'm learning that where I put my attention, where I put my energy, is what I cultivate, what I see. And yes, there is negativity. Yes, there is pain in the world. That's not deniable. That's not, um, you know, <laughs> that's that's a fact. Right. But you know, on some level, too, it's what are we feeding? What are we consciously feeding? And, um, you know, it's become very clear to me that what we see on TV, what we see in the media, you know, it's only the bad news. It really is only the bad news. And yes. um, it's become humorous to me now. And I, I, I don't watch the news, but it does become humorous to me because... It's like, okay, you know, we, we want to complain constantly, but we're not willing to look at what we're fueling, and what we're fueling is only the negativity and the fear and the pain, and we're not focusing on what we want. And it on the outside it looks like we're just ignoring the problem, but what we're actually doing is taking a moment to pause and to say, okay, mm -hmm. we want to shift, we want to shift. And by all of the, um, you know, all of the turbulence that is happening globally right now and is and has been happening for a long time, I think we're I think we're um, on a mass consciousness level. I think we're trying to figure out what we want. And I know that's really simplifying things, but I'm thinking more in energetic terms where. Yeah. Um, when we get everyone on the same page, whether that's good or bad, right now it seems mm -hmm. like it's more on the negative side where we're all kind of, or we're getting there <laughs> to a place of agreement yeah. of what doesn't work. And I have come to, found, come to find that um, you have to figure out what doesn't work before you know what does work. You yes. have to stumble. You have to fall down. And um, there's a metaphor in my book about that, talking about um, a little puppy. And I've had two little puppies before, and and they run into things, and they, you know, <laughs> they they stumble and they fall. And and the difference with them is that they don't feel bad about themselves. They don't beat themselves up. They don't 
criticize themselves. They get back up. And Mm -hmm. we work differently than that. And I feel like on a mass consciousness level, that's what we're doing. We're figuring out, okay, that doesn't work. Let's try it again. But we're fueling the wrong energy. We're fueling the fear. And it's just spinning in that energy right now. We're just spinning in the same stuff. I think in a lot of ways it's not even new. It's not even new energy that's, like, plaguing our planet. I feel like a lot of it is just us swimming in the same stuff. Oh, yeah. That's my opinion and and also combined with, you know, some of the um, channeling I've done about this. Sure, Um, sure. But on a personal level, I have to say it is it is difficult, and you know you can look at it from the universal you know higher perspective level or you can look at it on a personal level. I think it's both happening oh, um, yeah. I certainly have been like just figuring out my own personal self in this you know in all of the changes happening so yes, um, exactly well, also you're Aquarius. And so, and I have an Aquarius ascendant as we discussed for the show. And so that Aquarian perspective is a larger uh, universal perspective. It's not even global, although when it descends onto the earth, it becomes global. And Aquarians have more trouble looking at the particulars and the details. You know, Native American teachings have this wonderful uh, kind of human typology two of those courtney are uh the eagle and the mouse the Mm. eagle sees everything from above it's like in astrology it's called the solar perspective where everything on earth if you look at earth from the point of view of the sun our lives we can we're hardly visible from the larger turn of the universe the larger cycle it's so small and you just see earth as this gorgeous planet but you can't really see what's going on on it you just see Mm -hmm. it from far away you know and it's gorgeous well as you come closer and so that's sort of the eagle's view soaring above the planet looking down and everything oh is 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 so beautiful but the mouse is looking at everything that his whiskers or her whiskers touches. And mm-hmm. so he mm-hmm. or she, a male or female mouse, is in touch with everything on the ground literally because the whiskers are brushing up against everything, every blade of grass. So mm-hmm. that mouse is in touch with things that the eagle doesn't begin to know. And the eagle is in touch with a a vision that the mouse doesn't have or begin to know. The mouse doesn't have that elevation, and the eagle doesn't have the whiskers. Right. So, you know, both are utterly important. And you could say that, I mean, uh, my way of putting it is that humanity as a species has a very interesting, important evolutionary role to play. And we need to be going between the micro of our whiskers and the macro of our larger vision 
And right. we live somewhere in between heaven, like Chi Kung teaches. We we are uh, we modulate heaven and earth. Man stands between heaven and earth, right? So we have to somehow deal with our weakest links, which is like you were saying before that part of our repetitive, hostile, age-old, negative system. I believe it's related to our reptilian brain that has us continue to live in fear. And there are possibilities of our higher level of development, which we know, but we're not stabilized there yet. So we need to be dealing with our weakest links, which is creating a world of chaos and full of greed and you know, a war. So how do we bring that consciousness forward into the higher level consciousness? That's a work. That's a work. Your Mm -hmm. comments, your thoughts. Well, it is. It is work and it is, you know, wanting to be there, wanting to even having awareness that something is off and that we are the answer. That's the first step. I mean, I think a lot of people, they just, they're, clueless and they they're not self-aware enough to realize that we are the issue but we're also the solution and um yeah i I, you know i liked the metaphor about the the eagle and the mouse because i feel like it was also kind of my story um Mm -hmm. i still am the eagle but i'm also the mouse now in ways that I yes. never was before. Um, right. Again, part of my own personal evolution. The mouse can be difficult. The mouse can be really, really difficult because yeah. you're picking up on all the subtleties and the subtleties can feel very, very big, very dramatic, very um, yeah. scary. Under a microscope. Um, yes. So... I'm personally balancing those two points of view. And, again, I go back to it's training, it's learning to train ourselves where we put our attention, where we are consciously putting our energy, and that's all it is. Not easy, but it's a training. It's a mindfulness training. And I like how Abraham Hicks puts this. I still listen to their teachings. I love them. And, oh, they're beautiful. Um, yeah. Even though I recognize it's all coming from the same source, but my human self, of course, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I love Abraham Hicks. But, sure. um, but I, you know, I heard them talking about this, and they said something about this, about, like, you know, you're you're figuring out how to be outside the vortex, that's cool. It's a learning experience. You, you're not doing bad. You're not failing. Um, don't beat yourself up. You, you figured out how to get out. That's cool. And you have the awareness that you got out. That's even cooler. Now, mm-hmm. how do you train yourself to get to a place where you're in the vortex, where you're consciously putting yourself where you want to be instead of unconsciously putting yourself where you don't want to be? Mm-hmm. I think it works on a Mm -hmm. personal and global level. Um, So I'm personally training myself this, and I'm I'm living in the the mouse perspective, and I'm going, okay, 
every little detail, every little attention placed on my thought is manifesting right now, right here, right now, instantly, and good, good or bad. So how do I do that, first of all? How do I master that, um, at least have awareness of what I'm doing, and then master it on personal level? And, well, can't really master it, but do your best. Get and more trained. Yeah. Get more trained, right, because we're always learning. And yeah. then I think the more of us that are seeking that, because we have to seek it first. You can't just yeah. place this information on anyone and expect them to get it or want to get it. Um, right. But the more of us that are waking up to our potential, I think we're figuring out that it comes down to us. And then we have the motivation to learn more about ourselves, to go deeper. And, okay, so when the when the motivation, when the curiosity is there, then we start to develop ourself. We start to deepen ourself. And then you might come across a book like mine, and it might, you know, deepen you even further. And that's how this works. You know, your seeking, yes. your asking is what draws you to the answers. Exactly. And then I Seek think it will just you shall find, continually spiral and will awaken on a That's you know right. universal global level. That's right. So That's right. Well, listen, I this has been a very lovely conversation and I've so enjoyed your speaking and sharing with our audience all that you have been experiencing in your life and lives. And it's a, it's a real beautiful gift, and I want to thank you for it. Thanks for so much again for having me on, too. Sharing, absolutely. Uh, do you have a website that you'd like to uh, direct people to? I do have a website. It is teachingsfromgod.com. Easy, easy. Teachingsfromgod.com. Yeah, easy. <laughs> beautiful. And also, one other thing that is... Yes. Um, important for listeners is that I'm on pretty much all social media sites. So if you want to talk with me personally, one-on-one, feel free to check that out on my website right on the homepage. And I am also uploading videos on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday. So plenty of opportunities. That's beautiful. Great. Courtney, thank you for being part of a better world. You're Thanks. <laughs> I I just love your show name. I love how that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And you are now officially part of it. <laughs> I'm part of a better world. <laughs> That's right. Courtney, thank you so much again. for having me on. It was so my pleasure. Welcome. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye now. That was Courtney Amundsen, the author of this really lovely book as she was saying teachings from god greeting your soul and revealing the divine within i've really been enjoying it it's uh very universal it uh reaches you on some deep levels for those who are tuning in there's a lot of love in it a lot of love a lot of goodness a lot of generosity of spirit and uh, that's what you have to look forward to. Thanks so much for joining us all today. Uh, I want to, in closing, remind you of the first points I was making in uh, this show regarding our Pachamama Alliance event. It's a free event on Saturday afternoon in New York City, in Brooklyn, 
the People's Republic of Brooklyn. And for more information about that, uh, the Awakening the Dreamer Symposium, Changing the Dream. And if you think about a lot of what Courtney was saying, you can understand it in terms of that, too. We're changing the dream. We're changing our mind. We're putting attention to other values beyond. So I want to just thank you all for joining. I hope you join me at the uh, symposium. Remember also A Better World and Heaven on Earth workshop is this Monday at 6 p.m. at TRS Office Suites down at 40 Exchange Place. You're welcome to join us. Just email me at mjr at abetterworld.net. That's mjr at abetterworld.net, where I'd love hearing from you anyway and receiving your feedback and your comments and how much you enjoy the shows and which of the shows you like and want more of, etc., etc. And remember, <laughs> we are a nonprofit, 501c3, so please feel free to go to our website and make donations. Send it as family and friends through PayPal through our donate button, or if it's for substantially more, just contact me through email, and we'll talk about that. Again, thanks so much for joining. Go to our website and get our newsletter at www.betterworld.tv, and I look forward to seeing you 